morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over a little bit about yesterday's slate, right? Big slate yesterday. I just went on FanDuel. Didn't turn in into anything by the end of any by by the end of the whole thing, but whatever. We'll talk a little bit about today's slate. We got a lot of weather on today's slate. Is it a nine gamer? It's a ten gamer. This. Roth has a bunch of weather stuff up. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to worry about that. We had to worry about that yesterday, right? With that Cleveland game, that that came. I I couldn't switch anything out with a minute a minute to go. Couldn't do it. I couldn't couldn't just took a bunch of zeros yesterday. Uh and uh, and as always, answer your questions, DFS strategy questions in chat. Just post them. Just post them. I'll get to them. Right, I I scroll through. So if you post something and I don't talk about it for fifteen minutes, doesn't doesn't mean anything. It's it's still in there. I see. I scroll back. I see your stuff. I see you people in the chat. Joe Mac Tom Card Fan Shannon Lampert Michael Dampier Dar Dampier. It could always be. It could be Dampier. It could be. I'd say Dampier. Dampier. Ryan Edwards Sterling Woods Dario Rosenstock Apocalypse uh, DFS Degenerate Eric Hitbold. Dot Tom, did I say dot Tom already? Well, good morning, good morning. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up. Give me the thummy thumbs. I'm st- I still look at the apple juice. I still still drinking the Gatorade, keeping myself hydrated for being sick over the weekend. So getting those, getting those electrolytes, right? You know, like Brondo. It's like Brondo. It's got electrolytes or whatever, like plants, whatever, whatever from Idiocracy. You know what I'm talking about. So hit the thumbs up button to keep it cold throughout the show. Subscribe if you're new here. And hit the thumb, hit the notification bell to know when we go live in uh, in uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, in whenever, whenever, whenever the channel goes live, the Roto Grinders channel. Yesterday, I it was seven oh nine, seven oh nine. Cleveland and Detroit announced that they're going to delay. Okay, now the game could have played. The game could have played. They they sat through. They sat through like no rain for ninety minutes, and then they postponed. And then they that's and then they couple of ding 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 and then we're done and we're done but if you were if you were listening if you were listening to, to crunch time our premium show on roto grinders and you could become a premium member by clicking on the link in the description getting ten dollars off your first month roth does his his uh his like weather updates i mean he does a weather update i mean not, you can see his weather updates right for free right on the weather page at roto grinders he, he tweets all the time kevin roth WX on 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 Twitter, so it's not it's not it's not like hidden or anything. But he's he hosts Crunch Time, so whenever there's there's weather information and stuff like that, he he has the most before he even tweets it. It's it's up to date, right? And he was talking about that he, he thinks all these games play, right? He, they should play, right? All he is is a weather dude, right? He's not in charge of of whether or not uh, you know what the what the teams are going to do, right? How they're going to react to it, what they're looking at. Uh, and basically once, once he, he saw that, uh, Cleveland Detroit was going to delay immediately. His first, re- his reaction was get him out, get just, that's hot. That's bad. That's bad. Get it, get him out, get him out, get him out, get him out. Cause his, his concern wasn't necessarily the rain that, that was hovering around in that area. Then it was the stuff that was going to come in like two hours from now. Right. So his attitude was, is that if they, they could start playing through drizzle, like they could probably, they could probably, they could get the game in. Maybe that there'll be a delay, you know, mid-game, and maybe maybe it's a seventh inning uh, d- 
delayed and then never starts up again, right? Okay, fine. And you get that in, but they're going to start delayed. Then that, then that's going to be a problem. So that was like seven Oh nine. And like, okay, I, I got, I got Cleveland, Detroit and not, not a ton in my lineups on FanDuel, but like it's seven Oh nine. I, I, I couldn't even do anything. I, I was, I was trying, I, I went fast to go to global player replace to at least get Joe, uh, Jose Ramirez out of lineups, just global, just whatever, whatever third base, give me Justin Turner, give me some, someone, someone at third base. I couldn't even get that in. Right. Cause I went to do it. And then by the time seven ten done locked, eh, sorry, sorry. It didn't matter. I mean, it didn't, for every cash line, it didn't matter. I still cash. That was a pain in the ass. And then, then, then you see that they have the tarp up, they have people there. And then just, Hour and a half later, nope, we're not, we ain't playing. We ain't playing. But if you were able, to, if you were able, to, if, the, if you were able to get off, Cleveland, Detroit, or you were just lucky enough, right? Because they said they're going to start start delayed, and made, a lot of times that doesn't mean anything, right? But Roth, Roth knew. Roth knew because sometimes, <coughs> sometimes what ends up happening is that there's a late start. It starts delayed, and people start bailing. <coughs> they don't know any better. It's going to rain for an hour and then be completely clear. And then the ownership of that game starts just plummeting. So a lot of times that's the, that, that's when you jump on board it. This wasn't the time. This, this, this was not the time to do so. So, uh, so yeah. So, so I, so I, I did have plenty of uh, Cleveland guys in my lineup on FanDuel. None of my best, none in my best lineups. So is that a, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I have no idea. Fan, fan, FanDuel, I had a sweat. I was in like third place for, for I was hovering in the top five like for a good like hour, hour and a half of the slate with, with, of course, with, of course, with parts of, of my player pool that I had the least of, right. That it, it was, if it wasn't for a couple of, of, of good lineups, it would have been, it would have been a losing day yesterday, right. That, that, that's the way it was. It, it, it didn't go according to plan. The blue Jays were part of the plan. Okay. So the blue Jays, I was, I was way heavy on. So that was a part of the plan. Everything else wasn't. Right now, I was heavy on the Red Sox also. Okay, so maybe maybe two things are part of the plan, right? So I was I was heavy on the Blue Jays and the Red Sox on FanDuel, okay. But I was really low, really low on the Yankees, right? I didn't have any Yankee stacks at all. I had Yankees as three mans and one offs, but no four mans. And I I out of 150 lineups, I only had five lineups with Shohei Otani. That's it. Right. That's it. Just just five. Right. I didn't have any angel stacks or anything. So Yankees like I like like someone like Judge, like Sanchez. I only had like, I think, seven or eight lineups. And of course, two of those seven or eight lineups, I had them also with Otani. Right. So like and then with the Blue Jays and with Marcus Semi in those lineups. So it just happens that the Blue Jays, Blue Jays, Yankees, Otani ended up getting together and like two or three lineups one with the Padres one with the Red Sox. So I had a couple up there and all those lineups had been uh, Vincente Velasquez who on FanDuel uh, was only 5% owned. And of course, Velasquez was 6,100 on FanDuel, which means the lineups, the batters in those lineups are, well, how do you pay up for the, how do you play up for the Blue Jays and the Yankees and a $4,300 Otani? Well, you play a $6,100 pitcher that gets 46 points. Velasquez was the, the bat special of the day, right? If you subscribe to the bat, right? Derek Hardy's projection system, which is an add-on here at Roto-Grinders. You pay extra for that. You get the bat disc per channel, right? Everyone's talking about, you know, projections in there. Uh, you, you get you get his projections. I mean, 
<coughs> Velasquez, I think, projected decently elsewhere. But, I mean, the bat yesterday was Vincente Velasquez and Carlos Martinez. And no one wanted to play Carlos Martinez. And he didn't do bad at all. But six innings, six strikeouts or something, right? You have to, you have to think of long-term samples. That's, I mean, that's, that's, really, that's really the part of what the bat does better than other projection systems, right? Cardi always talks about small sample sizes. Well, the bat uses the, like the longest period. Of course, it starts decaying and regressing after that. But Vinny Velasquez is, is over his career is not a bad pitcher. He's actually an above average pitcher. Carlos Martinez is an above average pitcher. So people attack them or anything. It's like, okay, well, well, look at Carlos Martinez's last four starts or something like, oh, okay. That's a small sample size. So that said of not play him because he's, I mean, who, I understand why you didn't. I would have Velasquez still projected better than him. But we take a look at, uh, at the bat flip. Ricky D won. And yesterday the winning lineup, by, by is 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 a Baltimore stack because the Astros bullpen, right? Ricky Ricky D wins on on position players pitching, right? Two thirty two twenty three. I mean, look at this. Franco Urias. Mull, I mean, he had, he had Austin Hayes didn't have a home run. Surprised he did, surprised he didn't have Austin to have wins at his catcher position, right? Urkaidi gets injured, inning in the third inning. And the Astros bullpen just turns into the Orioles bullpen. And then the last inning, the, it's, it's Robo Garcia pitching and giving up two home runs, right? So Ramon Garcia gets there, right? Michael Franco gets the bottom of the Orioles lineup, gets there. But, but hey, that's where you, well, look, 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 look at the ownership, like nothing, right? You can play chalk anything around it. You can play 22% on Tetis. You can play 18% on Otani hitting two home runs on DraftKings at 4,900. Can they price this guy up? Schwarber hits another home run. Like, why, why, why do we even bother? Why do we bother playing DFS anymore, right? All you have to do is plug in Otani, plug in Schwarber. Maybe not today. Obviously, he doesn't get a hit, hitting points today, right? I don't know. I don't know how. It, DraftKings is what, a $27 billion company? How, how much? A $100 billion company? They still don't know how to make it so that you could roster a, a pitcher and a hitter at the same time with the same name. They still don't know, but you can't do it today. But apparently you put in Otani and Schwarber and you preload that into your lineup. You, you just, you guaranteed the win. Apparently, <laughs> if, At least the past two weeks, that's the way it's been. We see here, let's say Larry Otto, his best lineup. Yeah. He's a Baltimore stack, right? With the, with Austin wins, Michael Franco, Mullins, Santander, Hayes with Woodruff and Ray together. Slewfoot. Let's look at this is a more uh, not a Baltimore lineup. Morton Velasquez. Then you have the Yankees. One, two, three. Four. It's a four, three, one. So you got Semyon. You got Andujar. He had a good game, right? Andujar, Judge, Ursula, Sanchez. Hog Lawrence. He, he's, he's in the chat sometimes, right? Yankee stack. And some one offs, right? Ben Gamble, zero. Yeah, that didn't help you. Yeah, but Marquez almost uh, no hits them. Good thing, good thing they were priced up on FanDuel, right? DraftKings, the Pirates, the Pirates, especially, you know, that middle of the order was cheap. So they were, they were way more owned on DraftKings. On FanDuel, they, you know, when, when, when these teams get into cores, they, they, FanDuel's proactive on pricing these guys up. They'll, they'll leave other guys. They'll, they'll leave guys, you know, 2,600 for no apparent reason in other games. But when, well, Pirates are coming to the cores, uh, the, Brian Hay is 4,200. I mean, like that, that's, that's what they do. 
So I didn't have I didn't have a lot of the pirates on. I had more than the field, but I mean they weren't that owned on FanDuel. You see here, like Ricky D always has a contrarian type of strategy. That's why a lot of times I don't even show him on the show. He gets very condensed. Like Tyler McGill actually had a pretty good game. He got squeezed. If, you, if anyone was watching that game, Tyler McGill, well, he had three strikeouts in the first inning. And then all of a sudden, like, they're not giving him strike. I mean, if you take a look at these pitches, like he, he should have gotten like an extra three or four more strikeouts. But this is the p- pitching breakdown, right? Woodruff, Geo, Geo didn't get there, right? But you see Velasquez, a lot, a lot of sure, a lot of sharp players, a bunch of them over on Velasquez. He was only seven percent owned. Marquez was six percent owned. Barely anyone played him. Well, you take a look down here. Fultonevich had twenty-four point game. Martinez had a twenty-three point game. Joe Ross had a twenty-three point game. It's like, do you need to go? Do you need to go up here? On a 15-game slate, like, do you want to play Woodruff Giolito as a, as a combo? Woodruff Ray and play cheaper bats. Most of the field does that. A lot of the field does it. So a lot of times I'm, 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 I'm playing the expensive stacks. I know it's it's against my brand. Typically, I'm the vomit stacks guy. That doesn't work anywhere when, when people are playing two, two ace pitchers and vomit stacks. Or just playing stacks that you could fit in because they priced them too low. So you don't have to play the Marlins or anything like that. So yeah, let's let's take a look at the hitters. I mean, if you just take a look at Otani, it's like a lot, a lot of like for seventy-five under Mister Goodson. Mister Goodson's plays chalky, so I get it. Yeah, the the, the Padres, Otani. Okay, I get it. Kiki Hernandez, Ben Gamble, twenty-one percent. The most sharp players are under. Ben Gamble. But still Red Sox. Looks like Red Sox for chalk on, on DraftKings. Red Sox, Pi- uh, Red Sox, Pirates, Padres, and Otani is a one-off. <coughs> yeah, Tommy Pham. He had a good game, 29 points. He was, he was the, the Padres were much more chalky on FanDuel. They were too, I think they were too cheap. Other than Tatis. Tatis is never cheap. So what's going on in the YouTube chat? Let me scroll back. Scroll back. Scroll back. Oh, Michael Dompier says I'm proper with the Dompier. Dompier. Okay, so I'm good. I mean, I don't know. It could be Dompier. Could be a they could be a silent letter somewhere in there. I don't know. Okay, let's see. Eric Hilpold. I, I apparently pronounced his name right. I just it's phonetics. Well, Shannon Lampert said that the D-backs crushed him. Stacked. They're like the worst offense in baseball. It's a 15 game slate. Like, well, I could, I could, I could stack against Carlos Martinez. It's like, but it's the Diamondbacks. I, I get, I get, the, I get the mentality. Uh, it would have made more sense if Carlos Martinez was more owned. But the Diamondbacks are a bad offense. Like, I could understand. Like, I would be more likely to stack against. Uh, Robbie Ray, the, the Mariners, like I'd be much, you have to understand you're trying to win contests. You're not just trying to score the most points. So if we take a look here on DraftKings, where you have to use a second pitcher, Carlos Martinez was 1% owned, okay? Like I, you want to, you'd rather, if you're going to play, if you're going to play a bad offense, play it at least against a, an, an owned pitcher. 
Play the Rangers against Caprellian. Play the Mets against Morton. Play the Mariners against Ray. Play the Twins against Geo. Even the Cubs against Woodruff. I mean, I'm not saying they even have to d- do that. But the value of the Diamondbacks being the top, because remember, it's a 15-game slate. All 30 teams. Are the Diamondbacks going to be the highest scoring team on the slate? Well, they're playing against Carlos Martinez. Anything could happen, right? Yeah, I guess so. But I don't think in those terms. I think of what 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 is my easiest path of winning first place. The first thing that I think of is, are there good teams that are going to be under owned? That's how I do it in every sport. When somehow the, the, the Chiefs are under owned in, in NFL, I play the Chiefs. Right, because everyone, oh, it's the, some other team versus the Jets, or some, you know, some other, some two really good games, two like fifty-four point totals, or something like that, and the Chiefs are playing in a low total game that they're like a nineteen-point favorite, and somehow, like Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, or somehow, somehow single-digit on like that because they're a good offense. NBA, same thing. Everyone's playing this guy, and you're playing another guy that's still an all-star but just in a kind of maybe a bad matchup or something. So like, you're still playing good players. So I think of the same thing in, in baseball, especially since I'm playing more expensive stacks now, since people are playing, you know, trying to jam in double aces in a lot of their lineups. So I'm playing the Dodgers. I'm playing the Yankees. I'm playing the, the, the Astros, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox. I mean, list good offenses. When they're on, when they're under owned, the Nationals when they're under owned, I mean they're not as good. They're not as good as they were. Rather than find the really crappy teams just because they ha- just because they have that good matchup on a 15 game slate on the smaller slate, maybe maybe so. So I'm not going at what pitcher am I attacking? It's like what good offenses are out there, and how can I build lineups with them? That that's that's pretty much it. I want ceilings, and if I'm not going to get that, I want relative value. I want I want an easier path to first place. And if the twins hit Giolito, 23.3 whatever percent of lineups in this contest go down, go can't win first place. Right? If Robbie Ray gets hit, hit hit up, 20% of lineups can't win first place, pretty much. So I want what's correlated to that. The stack, right? The Mariners. Maybe not even as a five-man, as a three-man in a five-three lineup. You don't have to do the whole five-man. But when a pitcher's one percent owned, it's like, what's what's the value? You're playing a bad offense against a bad pitcher with limited relative value. Carlos, but the, the Diamondbacks would have to put up twelve runs for them to be worth it on a fifteen-game slate. Maybe the Twins may only have to put up eight. Well, why, 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 what's the difference that the explanation is because, well, because 23% of lineups are going down while you're going up. Okay. So since other lineups are coming down, you don't need as many from your stack against that pitcher. That's negatively correlated to your lineup needs to be right. If Woodruff got killed by the, by the Cubs, even for six runs, and let's say there were three home runs, three home runs from the Cubs. Like you're killing 44% of the lineups as your Cubs lineups go up. Doesn't mean you do that. No, but I'm just saying there's more value in that than playing a stack of a worse offense against a 1% owned pitcher. 
if that's the purpose of what you're doing, if they project similarly. I'm not saying if they don't project similarly, then, then don't listen. And then, yeah, then you play the Diamondbacks. But in the bat yesterday, the Diamondbacks did not project well. Like the Royals projected extremely well. I played a bunch of the Royals against Pavetta. Well, Pavetta was only 2% owned. Why are you stacking the Royals against a 2% owned pitcher? Well, they were like the fifth best projected stack on the slate out of 30 teams. I'm not doing it because I'm attacking Pavetta. I'm doing it because they have the fifth highest projected stack on the slate. I don't care who they're, I don't care who they're facing. I mean, they already project well. But if you're going to play the Diamondbacks as the 24th out of 30th projected team on the slate, you better get some relative value out of it. Well, I hope I hope that people are using the pitcher against them. If they're not, then you're going to need to out. You're going to need to outperform. You're going to need to get a higher percentile outcome from your team than the other teams on the slate. And the and other teams on the slate could be just as just as low owned. The Dodgers yesterday against Gausman. They were low owned. They were low enough owned, right? Why couldn't you play the Dodgers? They're a good team. You could have played whoever. I mean, the, let's see. So I know I knew I knew FanDuel, but not necessarily DraftKings. I drive the Rays on DraftKings weren't as owned as the Rays were at FanDuel. But look at me, low owned look. Aaron Judge was only. Five percent owned. You could play the Yankees. Altuve was four percent owned. You could play the Astros. Tioscar was four percent. That's the Blue Jays. Bichette was four percent. I mean, look, you could play these three percent, four percent. Goldschmidt, the Cardinals, the the Reds. Look, Jesse Winker was three percent owned. Luke Voigt was three percent owned. I mean, good players. These are good players. Look, the Rockies. Charlie Blackman was two percent owned. So why why are you playing the Diamondbacks? Because you want to pick on a pitcher. Don't look at your projections and see if that's viable. Look, but I'd rather you you can't tell me that Stanton at two percent and Judge at four percent. Stanton and Judge, you uh, you play over any of the Diamondbacks. Then you're going to say, well, with the Diamondbacks, you were able to play Woodruff and Giolito. It's like, oh, great. So now now you have the two chalk pitchers in your lineup on top of uh, the twenty fourth best projected stat. How are you winning first place with this? I mean, you can, sure, obviously. Every every lineup has a, has a probability of winning. But you're not giving yourself an easier path. You're giving yourself a harder path by playing a worse team with a chalk pitching combination. Rather than just play good players that are 2 and 3% owned. I mean, look, Joey Gallo hit two home runs at 2% owned. If you had a Yankee stack and they had Miguel Andahar in it, he had 26 points. Albies, Ozzy Albies, the Braves. He had 18 points at 1.73% ownership. Arenado, home run, 1% owned. Why, 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 why are you going out of your way to play to play Jose Red, to play Josh Rojas or whoever, whoever, Josh Van Meter, whoever was in the lineup yesterday? Yes, I need to jam in uh, Eduardo Escobar instead of, instead of uh, Giancarlo Stanton or whoever. I mean, I understand why. But on a 15-game slate, I mean, you, just, you get you get these low-owned players all over the place. The Phillies. Play the Phillies against Trevor Rogers. Well, Trevor Rogers wasn't owned, so who the Phillies are still a better team than Diamondbacks. Just in general. I think instead, instead of thinking in terms of what's completely off the board, think of who what who's good that's not going to be played for what, because of 
salary or construction reasons, or because of the context of the slate. There's, there's you know, there's three great spots, right? You have this this team, you know, this team has a seven run total. This team has a six and a half run total. And here's this team with a five and a half run total that apparently no one's playing. 2% of people are playing. And it's the Astros, right? And you can play Altuve and, and uh, Alvarez and Tucker and Correa. And they're about the same price as any of those other stacks. They're just, slight, they're just slightly, slightly worse projected. And they're going to be five times less owned. That's when either, but at least you're playing a good team. Yeah, if it's a seven, eight game slate and whatever, and like there's three good teams in the slate and they're all being owned and you're like, okay, I want to get off the board and take a shot on this bad team against a bad pitcher. Okay, okay, I get it. But usually on these large slates, I I stick to the good teams because you could find good teams at low ownership. Going through, oh, whoa, scrolling through the YouTube chat. Going through the YouTube chat. Jeremy Moss says the Diamondbacks had seven lefties against Seamark and they were dirt cheap. Yeah, that that's it's it's already in the projections. I don't have to, I don't care about any of that. I look at the projections. The Diamondbacks were towards the bottom of the list. Actually, Car- Carlos Martinez projected well. You know why? Because the Diamondbacks are a bad team. Maybe it, sometimes it works the other way. I couldn't have expected Carlos Martinez to pitch well. I mean, he's only pitching against one of the worst offenses in the entire league. I mean, then why didn't you why didn't you attack the why didn't you attack the batters? We do that for the Tigers, right? Oh, we got to play pitchers against the Tigers or pitchers against the Mariners. They're so bad. The Tigers and the Mariners are better offenses than the Diamondbacks. Okay, so why aren't we attacking Diamondbacks? Oh, why don't we just play Carlos Martinez against the Diamondbacks? Like, why doesn't it work that way? Well, the projections care about that. That's why, that's, that's why Carmart projected well for his salary and the Diamondbacks projected poorly for their salaries, even though they were cheap. I don't look into any, well, they're throwing, it's already in the projections. Anything that you say is already in there. So you can't just say, oh, they projected the bottom bottom 10% of the stacks on the slate, but but... But here's all these variables. It's like all these variables you're listing are in that number already. So even, even because of that, they still project poorly. They can't just add on top of that. March Mimic, I know it varies, but do you have a feel on how much you're willing to give up in projection to gain an engine ownership? As long as it's proportional, it could be as, as much as you want. And that you have to give up more projection and more ownership in the larger contest that you're in. Right, you play. You're playing a 500 man single entry. You're probably you're probably not giving up 30 points in projection, even if you're getting the requisite ownership. Even if you, you know, even if you get, even if you're getting in proportion the right amount of ownership for giving up 30 points in projection. Do you need that much leverage in a 500 man small field single entry contest? Probably not. So that's all that matters. It, it all 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 it matters is the proportion and the size of the contest that you're playing. So if, for instance, like the optimal, you know, the, the most owned, high owned, whatever is uh, 150 points, you know, median wise and 180 ownership or something. Like if you're giving up 10 point, 140 median and you're getting now 110% ownership. Okay, there you go. There, that, that's a good range. 
If you find other lineups in that range, okay, that's a good range. But if now if you're giving up 30 points of ownership, you, you, that 30 points of projection, that ownership should be down in like the 30, 30, 40 some range. Like that should be a really contrarian line. And would it still would it still be viable? Yes, it would be a high variance lineup, right? That's that's the type of lineup that's not gonna, that's that's either really well or really badly. But you could play those lineups as long as you get the requisite amount of ownership with the amount of projection that you're giving up. There's, there's no optimal range. The, they all could have the same EV, like that lineup, that highly contrarian lineup that gives up 30 points of projection and only has you know 30. For 40% ownership total may have the same exact expected value as the lineup that you're giving up 10 points of projection and only giving up, you know, 110% ownership over there. It could be the same EV. Just that, that, that lineup, that lineup, that really contrarian lineup, you realize the EV when it like wins first place and all the other times it like doesn't even cash. So like if we played out this slate a hundred thousand times or whatever, Whatever the amount of time, a lot of times, the lineup that is higher projected and higher owned that's still that's still contrarian enough to win. Like if you ran it a hundred thousand times and you said you put in, let's say you put in your your ten dollars or whatever, whatever the entry fee in for that lineup, you run it out a hundred thousand times. At the end of the day, there's a dollar figure. Is it plus or minus on average? It's plus. Maybe the other lineup, the really contrarian lineup, is plus also, and they're plus the same amount. But if you take a look at the results over the 100,000, the lineup with uh, the higher projection and the higher ownership, that's still that's still good enough. That's still leveraged enough. Hits first place maybe a couple of times. Hits the top 10 a bunch of times. Hits min cash a bunch of times. Hits the top 500 a bunch of times and then misses a bunch, but rarely comes in like last place, last place. But kind of it gets it gets enough equity up there. Now the the really contrarian one, like maybe it wins first place five times, gets in the top ten a couple of times, and then like outside of that, like it's 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 sitting at the bottom of your contests. So maybe it wins slightly more frequently, but when it doesn't win, it's it's real. It, it doesn't even come close, right? So it's much the standard deviation of that of that lineup is going to be way higher. Same, same expected value though, but that distribution curve of results, if you ran a hundred thousand trials with each of those types of lineups, like the distribution curve will look different, even though the expected value will be the same. So now if you had a choice of playing each one of each lineup, if you had a choice of playing just one, mathematically, if I say that the expected value is equal, it it wouldn't matter but you're more likely to probably cash with one lineup and not with the other. But even though the, it's the same expected value. But let's say you're building 20 lineups, like a lot of people do. Well, if you build 20 of the really high variance lineups, you have to expect that you, you may have a lot of nights that are zero of 20 cash at all. And hopefully one, one of those lineups over the course of the season comes in first place. But you're going to be losing. You're going to put in, you're going to put in, you're going to go into the four seamer, right? The 20 max or whatever. You're going to put in 80 bucks, like a lot of nights and get back nothing with those types of lineups. And then there's going to be a line and then you get 3000, right? You win first place, right? I mean, there'll be plenty, there'll be those too. The other lineup 
That's higher projected and higher owned, but still leveraged enough. You put an 80, you get back, you know, maybe get back 60. Right. And a lot of times. Now, does that mean you play 20 of one or 20 of the other? No, now you can play a mix. So maybe, maybe you're going to play, you know, five lineups that are, you know, up there. They know that, okay, they only give up a couple of points in projection, still get enough leverage, you know, kind of, you know, kind of looks a little chalky, but you have like a 2v2, a new pitcher. Okay. And maybe you play five lineups that are just like, I'm playing the Diamondback stack. I don't care what they're projected. I'm playing this. I'm playing the one-off that no one's playing, you know, highly contrarian lineup. And then 10, you're playing somewhere in the middle. Maybe you do that. Maybe that's your diversification that you do. All those lineups could have the same expected value, right? If you ran out a simulation of, of uh, you make you made every lineup possible, on a, let's say on a 15, especially on a 15-game slate, make every lineup possible make every every at least not not like one-off lineups it would take too much computer power for that so let's say you make five man stacks and four man stacks so you're doing like four three ones five x's five threes like those types of lines and you just make every combination every single combination you possibly can no matter what teams and everything like that you could probably find Thousands upon thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of lineups that have marginal differences in expected value that are pot that are even pot that are positive. Even. So it's like, okay, well, I'm playing 20 of them. Which ones do I play? Which, whichever ones you want. That's the main thing that I talk about here. That's why it's like, do I play this guy or that guy? Well, just show me the lineup. What does the lineup look like? What does it project for? What is what is his ownership? And are you going to be accurate on those things, right? There are plenty of times they go, okay, this team's going to be under-owned. And then it's like, whoops, they're a little bit more owned than I thought they were going to be. Actually, actually, these lineups are have, have less EV than I, than I thought they were going to be. And uh, and it was a mistake to play some of them. Sean V says people winning with Orioles was 100% luck. Okay. Well, Orioles had a chance of getting there. Why not? Look at their ownership. They were, the stack as a whole was less than 1% owned. Everything in DFS is luck. Everything. Everything is expected value. Baltimore Orioles stacks probably, if you built them correctly, were probably plus EV yesterday. Would I have invested a lot of money in them? No. But you could have played an Orioles stack and still played the chalk and that would have been leveraged enough. So why not? Take a shot. Play Ramon Urias and Michael Frank. Play the bottom of the order and Mullins. And Santa, you could have. Why not? Because you could play Otani in those lineups. You could play Woodruff in those lineups. You could play the best projected players at all the other positions with those lineups. And, I, and I, I'll never say it's not viable to do that. If you're able to play a stack where even by playing the chalkiest, highest projected players in the other five spots in your lineup, you still have enough leverage to win first place in a large field GPP. It's never a mistake to do that. It's like, it's almost never. Are you willing to do so? Just understand it's a very high variance lineup. That's not luck. You you should have done it. Understand that, that 99 out of 100 times, you don't get any money back. You get nothing. I'm not even saying a min cap. I'm saying you get nothing. I'm not saying not one out of 100, you win first place. 
like 99 out of 100 times, you get zero back. You get nothing. You don't need nothing back. Are you willing to do that? Then do it. Even if you have one, I only have one lineup, so you could still do it. You'd be more likely to do it. That's what people get wrong. I only have three lineups, so I'll play more risky. Well, they have 100 lineups. Now, when you play 100 lineups, you're, play, you're paying 100 times the price. The more risky you get, the more likely you'll lose more money. So sometimes you have to, some, that's why I said, like, like yesterday on FanDuel, I didn't play any Yankee stacks, any Yankees four-man stacks. I thought the Yankees would be over-owned on FanDuel. Uh, it turns out they weren't, really. But it's not like I X'd them out. I still had them in three-man stacks. Or Otani. Thought Otani would be over-owned. Do I X him out? No, he fits in the lineups that he fits into. He only got into five out of 150 lineups. But do I X him out? No. Because I can still make lineups with him that are plus EV. I'm just not going to make as many of them. So that's what I mean. So if you want to make Oriole, it, if, you're, if you're playing 150 lineups, you're not playing 150 Orioles Diamondbacks lineups. You're gonna just let you by the time you win the money, you're gonna lose you're gonna lose hundred thousand dollars by the time you. I mean, you're just gonna constantly you're gonna lose so much doing that, even if it is plus EV. When you're playing that many lineups, when you're only playing one, two, three lineups, and you're playing a, less than one percent of your bankroll or whatever, go. That's when you should be playing high variance lineups. Eric Hitbolt asks, stacks versus median one-offs in cash games. But cash games, you don't care about correlation. You have to understand the difference between the payout structure of a contest. What's your goal in cash in cash games? So we're talking about double-ups, 50-50s. What's the difference in the payout structure between those contests and, and a GPP and the bat flip? Well, there's one humongous difference. In the bat flip, right? We go to the bat flip, right? We go to that contest. Where's that contest? Okay. 50,000, 20,000, 10,000, 7,000. You see, you see this payout structure? It's called a progressive payout structure. That's very top heavy. It gets really top, you know, it goes really toward a hockey stick at the end. Okay. So every point that you get is worth more financially to you. Right? Coming in first place in a double up doesn't do anything for you. What, what, what's the payout structure in a double up? You get up to the 55th percentile and you get paid double. Anything past there, any points you any points you get past there are worthless to you. It didn't matter that you even scored them. You scored 200 points in a double up yesterday. You doubled your money. In the bat flip, you would have gotten $1,000. You would have gotten uh, 50X, a little over 50X. $18 entry on that, right? $1,000. Those points are worth more. Every every point you get that gets you closer to first is worth more money to you. And double ups, it ain't. As long as you, if, if, if you're in a 50-50, 100-man 50-50 on FanDuel, coming in 50th place and coming in first place pays the same amount. So you don't need to, that the whole reason why you increase the variance of your lineup is so you can have a wider range of outcomes 
So you have more access to score higher points. Of course, you're giving up, you know, the likelihood of also scoring less points, right? That's increasing your variance of your lineup. So in double ups, what's the point of doing that? There's no point in increasing the variance. It hurts you. It actively hurts you. You want to maximize for that right in the 55th percentile. So things like correlation and leverage, those are things that you do to increase the variance of your lineup. Right. Play a low-owned player increases the variance of your lineup. Playing five guys from the same team, right, because they correlate to each other, increases the variance of your lineup. Because if the team does well, most of them, all of them do well. If the team does badly, all of them do badly. That increases the variance of your lineup. So in double-ups, in cash games, you're looking to lower the variance of your lineup, not raise the variance of your lineup. So correlation and leverage are things that, who cares? You're looking for the best projected lineup. What's the best projected lineup? That if we play this out 100,000 times, we'll score in the top 55th percentile more often than any other lineup. Play that lineup. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it is. Stacks doesn't, doesn't, who cares? Correlation doesn't help you in double ups. It actually hurts you. I, I could understand even if the if the best four values on the slate all come from one team and you could play a lineup that is like half a point less projected and only has like two of those guys, that may even be better because now you, at least you're not playing four guys from the same team, right? Because that's adding, that's technically adding variance to your lineup, even though they are the best projected values. So I could even see, I could even see removing, doing, playing a slightly less projected lineup that doesn't have as much correlation in cash games. But you don't go out of your way to stay to stack in cash games. You you do that in GPPs, where you're actually getting a, a bigger payout for for increasing the variance of your lineup. If you want to play a five-man stack in a, in a booster, it can tuple up, okay. Because now there's only so many spots. You're playing a 35-man can tuple up and only the top five get paid? Okay. Well, now, now you, you need a higher percentile score. But of course, the difference between first and fifth still pays the same. But at least then, okay, okay, you have to get you have to get higher. You have to now you have to increase the variance of your lineup. Okay. And if you want to increase it by using correlation, go for it. If you want to increase it using leverage, go for it. It's worth it now. Double ups, what, what's it worth? It's not worth much. DFS degenerate in general in the stacks page. How often do you change the number of unique players? Default is one, but is there an edge of moving it to two or three? There's no edge. You're talking about diversification. You have to understand the difference between strategy and diversification. They are two different things. Number of unique players between lineups has literally zero to do with strategy. Literally zero. Nothing. Nothing to do with strategy whatsoever. Okay? Diversification has literally unequivocally nothing to do with strategy if i were to ask you here's 150 lineups you want to play the ones with the highest expected value right that's what you would want in a utopian world okay the 150 highest expected value lineups are typically or almost always absurdly high variance absurdly like that Orioles stack or something like that right 
probably even even worse than this, right? This lineup that this lineup that won, right? It had Otani and Tatis in it. There's probably a lineup with a higher expected value that has neither Otani. Like it's the same lineup with even lower owned players. Those would be the highest EV lineups. Those lineups. Do you want to play 150 of them? I mean, you can. If you have, how many lifetimes do you have to play out of MLB DFS? That's the question I always ask you. That would be the correct answer. If you if you could if you're immortal, and you have an unlimited bankroll. And DFS, MLB DFS, you will be able to play probably a million, five million slates. More, probably even more than that. Are you are you are are you're in the process of playing 30 million MLB slates over your immortal lifetime uh for the same payout structures uh for for centuries for eons? Then the answer is you should play the, the top 150 expected value lineups, even though you'll probably, you could possibly go 10 or 20 years of never winning. Of now, just literally 20, 20 years straight of never even winning a slate at all. Easily, right? 6,000 slates go by without winning first place. Yet over the course of that in, in infinite time, you'll have, you'll end up with the, with the most amount of money. Because you'll 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 win first often enough out of all those times that you'll get there. Now, is that is that a realistic scenario? No, it's not. We live in finite times with finite bankrolls and stuff like that. So if you're playing 150 lineups, do you want to play 150 of those types of lineups? Well, if you do, if you want to build it, fine. And 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 do you want to play a lineup like that and have the only difference between the two lineups, the 150 lineups that you're playing? Do you want to play 150 Oriole stacks and just instead of Otani, I'm going to play uh, Vlad Guerrero or something. Instead of Robbie Ray, I'm going to play. And you're just going to change one guy. You're going to have the same exact Baltimore stack, right? And 150 lineups and just change the one-ups. Well, obviously, if that Baltimore stack comes in, like all of your lineups will be at the top. Right, you'll come in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. You'll come in. You'll your your line. You'll be all over the top hundred, right? But if the Baltimore, if this Baltimore stack or whatever, just uh, does what it's supposed, like ninety nine point six percent of the time doesn't get there. Well, all your lineups are going to be at the bottom, all of them. Hundred and fifty lineups at eighteen dollars a piece. Okay, how much is that? Twenty seven hundred dollars. You know how much you're getting back from from all those under 50 lines? Zero, right? If you'd only used one unique player, because you're building, I'm building the same, pretty much the same lineup 150 times. I hope you, I hope you're right. <laughs> how much money you're willing to lose in order to get to the point where oh, you're taking up all of the top hundred spots, and even when you do, when you get to the top hundred spots, does it even make up for like the 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 full season of you losing twenty seven hundred dollars a slate, right? That's not strategy. That's just diversification. The strat that lineup could be a very highly plus EV lineup. But does that does that mean that you play 150 versions of that lineup? Well, if if you're willing to if you if you're if you're willing and able to withstand the swings of that high variance of a lineup, and understand that the EV of that lineup. And the variations, the 1v1s of that lineup, 
are marginally, maybe, and I'm, I'm just making up an example if this is the case, would at best be only marginally better than other lineups that don't even have Orioles in them, right? That don't even have Orioles, right? A diamond, let's say that Diamondback stack, right? Like, let's take a look at this lineup right here with this Baltimore guys in it. Replace the Baltimore guys with, with the Diamondbacks. Put Escobar, put, put whoever, whoever's in the lineup. Peralta, who is in the lineup? You have Pavin Smith? I forgot, right? Because I didn't play the Diamondbacks yesterday. So put them in. That Arizona five man with the same other Robbie Ray, Charlie Morton, all these guys, the EV of that lineup versus the Baltimore lineup with the maybe virtually the same. Okay. Maybe barely, barely different, marginally different. So now you now you're playing 150 lineups. And you have Orioles lineups. Well, why not play Diamondbacks lineups? Well, the Orioles lineups, I think, are slightly better. Do you do you have do you have eons in order to realize that EV? Do you have do you have a do you have a seven hundred trillion dollar bankroll? I mean, like what? Like if that's the case, and you're able to play MLB DFS for the next, I don't know, fourteen thousand years, like okay, that's fine. God, play all play all your one v ones off that Orioles lineup. That's fine. Okay, now I understand. Now I get it. The immortal one, I get it. But other than that, if you have if if I could show you 150 lineups that have the same EV that include 14 different stacks, like why would why wouldn't you rather have the diversified one? Even if technically, in technical terms, that 150 set has slightly less expected value than the first 150. 150 set of just playing the best lineup and just doing a one v one of them. Well, at least when you're diversified, you're giving yourself, you're not putting yourself in the position of like, like losing a million dollars on the, on the, on the, like 150 lineups trying to win. That's really, that's really the difference. It's like, oh, I could play, I could play plenty of plus EV lineups that have all different types of players in. So I'm not reliant on one thing. I mean, take a look at most sharp players. We go Go here to, okay, it, it gets wiped out whenever I do this. But if we go here, I'm gonna, so here's all the 150 entry people. Maybe Ricky D has a, Ricky D has a higher, has, has more narrow diversification. We go to these 150s. Right, Larry Odo, Slewfoot, Hog Lawrence, Anil, Mr. I don't know who Blue 32 is. Mr. Good Seats, RVX, Shipwright Money, Right, need lunch money, Dollar Dino, Dollar Bill W. I don't know, but Flat Felix, Felix is okay. Okay, so like, just I mean, I just went to the top. I mean, yeah, feel well. Okay, most people don't do this, right? This is this is playing a lot of the same lineup, right? This would be high variance, right? Playing a lot of uh, looks like, oh, what Duval? I don't know what the hell. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what Felix was doing. Seems like he played just like a cash lineup and just rotated a bunch of people. I don't know what happened there. Let's 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 disregard Felix. I don't know what he did. Uh, when we take a look across the board, of like no one has like a ton. Like when 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 I'm not I'm not I'm talking about bats. Let more so than pitchers. We get rid of pitchers. Like we see even like Lariota. We go to Lariota's exposures. 
plus 150 lineups. Like his most exposed guy is 26% on. I mean, like, like he doesn't have that many players that are even in one out of 10 lineups. Right? I slew foot. I mean, like we 20% max. Right? It's very spread out. And it's not, and it's not because, oh, they're trying to give it uh, as many both. They could just play everything. Like he can't play everything. Trust me, he can't play any everything. They're playing as many plus EV lineups as possible, but they but they could contain so many different players. So instead of playing the top three teams that are like the plus and whatever, and then making two V twos of those, like like uh, Ricky D would be more inclined to do something like that. Right, he played a ton of the Padres, but a ton, a ton is still thirty a third of his lineups. Right, twenty percent of his lineups, twenty two percent. That's a ton. But you don't see, you don't see many. I mean, I don't know what what Felix was doing. I think maybe CSV error. I don't know because it's not even stacks. I mean, like he just has like one off guys or something. I don't know. But you don't see, you don't see. They're not doing. They're not. They're doing it because it costs a lot of money to play one hundred and fifty lineups. And to go all in on two or three teams, even if they're slightly better, slightly better, slightly than other lineups, just as a recipe to have your bankroll go like haywire. When you could end up with similar returns by being more diversified. But that's not a strategic question. You still have to play plus EV lineups. These guys are still not just playing lineups for the hell of it. Oh, I'm going to play a. I'm going to play poorly. I'm going to play a lineup that projects 65 points lower and doesn't give me that much ownership discount. And like, because I can, because it's one of 150. They're not doing that. Of course, it matters on what projections they're using. I mean, yeah, obviously, player projections could be different. Ownership projections could be different. There are plenty of times. I, I talk to some of these people, right? I talk. I talk to some of these guys that I'm looking at right now. I'll ask, like, what were you thinking about that? But a lot of times the answer is I thought they were going to be more owned or I thought it would be less owned, you know, like that type. It, it wasn't the it wasn't the player projection, it was the ownership projection. Right? Because that that that's what's going to be dependent. A lot of times people ask me that. Well, you went heavy, you went you, you, you played a lot of this team. And they were kind of chalky. Like, why'd you do that? I'm like, yeah, because I thought they would be lower owned. <laughs> like it it turned out to be a mistake. And it doesn't matter if they got there or not. Sometimes that's the reason. Sometimes that's the reason. A team that you, a team players that you think are going to be lower owned or higher owned. And sometimes it's the opposite. Like I didn't play much Otani on FanDuel because I thought Otani was going to be 18 to 20% owned. Otani turned out to be 12% owned. Now on a 15 game slate, 12% owned is, is, is decently owned. I mean, it's decent, but not so much that like, I should only have Otani in five out of 150 lineups. But my decision would have been correct if he was 18 to 20% owned, but he wasn't. So looking at, looking at my, if you could on FanDuel, my lack of Otani. So I'd say, oh, why'd you have so little Otani? I'd say, I thought he was going to be over-owned. And they'd go, 12% is over-owned. I go, no, 18% is over-owned. Yeah, but he was 20%. It was, it was 12%. Yes, yes, but I thought he was going to be 18 to 20 Right, in that in that context, eighteen to 20, would you agree with? Oh yeah, okay, with eighteen to twenty, I'd agree with you. 
right? But someone else may have been like, I don't think Otani is going to be more than 10% owned. I should play more of him, right? And then they play a lot of Otani, hits two home runs, and they're like, he's a genius. It's like, why'd you play so much Otani? It's like, I thought he was, and then someone will say, I thought he was going to be under, right? Like, it all depends on what you project for their ownership to be. I thought the Yankees were going to be over-owned on FanDuel yesterday. On DraftKings, not so much because they were expensive. Were they were they owned on FanDuel? Yes, but were they over-owned on FanDuel? No. They were efficiently owned. I, I, I would consider them a fi- judge and Stanton. I think they were efficiently owned. Thir- they were like 13% and 8% or something. I thought they would be much higher. That's why, that's why I didn't have any four-man stacks with the Yankees. But had if I knew once it locked what their ownership was, judge and stack, I said, maybe I should have had more of these Yankees. Maybe I should have had four-man Yankee stacks, right? So it's, sometimes it just ends up being a mistake. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, misjudge that. I'm not going to misjudge the player projections. I already have that from the bat. It's the ownership that matters. Then I end up with lineups that either look, sometimes look too chalky. People will say to me, wow, that line, that lineup that you had up there in the, you know, seventh place, steak knives, right? The one that you want steak knives with. That seemed pretty chalky. Yeah, I thought they were gonna be lower owned. Like, like I didn't, I didn't purposely, I didn't purposely build it that way. Right? I didn't. Actually, it was a mistake. Had I known that ownership, I wouldn't have even built that lineup. Turns out I turns out the ownership was slightly off. So I ended up with the lineup like that. And it did well, right? Sometimes it's, sometimes that's just what it is. Okay. We got weather today. You got to check the weather page. There's so much weather today. Everywhere. There's weather ever yellows and oranges and whatever. What are they going to do in Detroit and Cleveland? They're playing a doubleheader. Do we have to worry about them anymore? I have no idea what's going on today, but you can find out about that later, right? Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Give me the thumbs up. Thumb the thumbs Subscribe if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got Grinders Live later today, crunch time for premium members and also the NBA stuff. Like play, we got playoff stuff, uh, playoff basketball. They do they do a show, premium show in the afternoon for 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 the showdown, basketball, whatever's going on. Are there any stars left? Right. By the time we get to the finals, it'll be you know backups and guys off the street playing. Apparently, they're getting injured every day. So, uh, so check that out. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month of Roto Grinders Premium. And, uh, and I will see you tomorrow. It's when's hump day. So have, have fun humping. Go, go hump for hump day. And uh, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see you tomorrow as, as I normally do. Mondays through Fridays, 11 o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.